Jonah chapter 3 at long last, verses 1 through 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king of his nobles and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger, so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion, and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. This is God's word. Let's pray a blessing. Father, we do thank you for these wonderful scriptures. And we are eager to hear through them what the Spirit is saying to the church, this church. What are you saying to me? We thank you, Father, that it is your desire to speak to us, to commune with us. Having said that, we understand that uh, the world, the flesh, the devil... Do not want us to hear what the Spirit is saying. So momentarily at least shut us in with yourself. Keep us from distraction. Keep us focused. And give us spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And give us open hearts to receive. That word, as a word in season, for your kingdom's sake. Amen. There is, I believe, something in all of us that does not really expect to see God at work. Oft times we are in such a rut that we don't expect to witness the miraculous. Or experience the unusual whenever we gather together for worship from one week to the next. Let's be honest. Just how many of us came to church today expecting God to fill this place with seekers. Expecting to witness Perhaps just one decision for Christ, let alone many decisions. Understanding 
the need to protect ourselves from the negative effects of disappointment. I guess over the years we learn to manage our expectations. For the sake of self-preservation, we, we check, we restrain our expectations. Sadly, we have done this for so long, we no longer expect anything from God. As a Bible student, I remember being inspired daily by a quote that hung on a plaque above the fireplace in the lounge of Emmanuel Bible College, Birkenhead. It was the words of the late great missionary pioneer to India, William Carey, who once said his great sermon before he left the shores of the United Kingdom to serve there in India. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. But did I, as a young Theological student, expect. And do I, as arguably a mature minister of the gospel, expect? We read of the people of Nineveh in verse 5 that they believed God. So much so they declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Three simple observations here, if I may, very quickly. Friends, notice the people, the people of Nineveh, believed God. Are you surprised by that? I'll be absolutely honest with you. To coin a colloquialism, I'm gobsmacked. Not just surprised. I'm absolutely bowled over by it. Nineveh was an ancient Assyrian city of what was Upper Mesopotamia. It was located what is today on the outskirts of Mosul, in modern-day northern Iraq. It is on the eastern bank of the Tigris River and was the capital of what was the Neo-Assyrian Empire. What does all that mean, you're thinking? I'll tell you. Therefore, Nineveh, of all ancient cities, was a pagan city. Pagan, capital P. Pagan, uppercase, A-G-A-N. It was as pagan as any ancient city could be. Even the king of Nineveh admitted that we were a wicked city. Unlike 
God's chosen people Israel, the Ninevites were not well acquainted with the words of the prophets. The Ninevites were not accustomed to the regular preaching and teaching of the word of God. Unlike our nation, they didn't have a Christian heritage to call upon. For all intents and purposes, it seems that Jonah's message comes to the Ninevites in isolation, in a kind of spiritual vacuum. I'm absolutely gobsmacked. I can't explain it. The people of Nineveh believed God. Wow. We all too easily write off our godless nation. Compared to Nineveh, our nation has a lot going for it. And the people of Nineveh believed God. I'll be honest, admitting my surprise of the corporate act of repentance that followed the proclamation of the word of God rebukes me. I suspect that Jonah was not surprised that the Ninevites believed God. His surprise, actually, and he pouted about it, was that God turned away his fierce wrath. Jonah, friends, was not surprised that the Ninevites believed God because, as we've heard in previous studies, he was persuaded by the message. And when we too are persuaded, we ought, as we ought to be, my friends, of the revealed truth of the word of god it will become it will become so contagious within us that we can overpower people for the sake of god's kingdom our problem is that we go around not expecting anything and perhaps it comes down to this matter of being fully persuaded Are we persuaded, friends, of what we believe? Are we unshakable in the things that we, that God has revealed to us? If we are, my conviction is from the Word of God that we will mediate this to everyone we meet. It's like Peter on the day of Pentecost when he preached his sermon. He was fully persuaded. Was he surprised, therefore, that thousands were converted that day? I guess not. I guess not. It's like Peter and John when they went to the gate beautiful and saw the man, the the lame man, And they said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Were they surprised when the lame man got up and walked? I guess not. They were fully persuaded. 
In like manner, Martin Luther, we celebrate this year 500 years since the very same nailed the 95 theses to the, 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 to the doors of the, the castle at Wittenberg. 500 years on the 31st of October. In like manner, Martin Luther turned the world upside down because he was fully persuaded and would not budge. Remember what he said? Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. As he spoke to the Diet of Worms. Fully persuaded. Also when Jonathan Edwards preached that amazing sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he said to them, I quote, It is by the very mercy of God that you are not in hell at this moment. He was so fully persuaded of what he preached, he was not surprised that before the conclusion of that day, 500 of his congregation were wonderfully converted to Christ. Ah, you say. But 21st century Britain, different kettle of fish altogether. We can't possibly expect work, Almighty God to work in, the, in like manner, can we? Well, I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> Otherwise, we are wasting our time gathering here. Wasting our time. I'm wasting yours, keeping you here past seven o'clock. And you're wasting mine listening. But if we are fully persuaded, then it would not surprise us that the people of Trachan, the people of Pontypris, believed when the wonderful gospel message concerning Jesus Christ is proclaimed. They believe God. The Ninevites. Wow. Oft times I wander up and down the roads of Trashland, thinking, praying, claiming, distracted inevitably by what I see. Wickedness. Awful language, terrible mindsets, degradation beyond comprehension. And the enemy sits on my shoulder, as he does from time to time, and says, you're wasting your time here, son. Give it up. Take a look around you. Get real. Give it up. I'm tempted. And then I read that the Ninevites, <laughs> the Ninevites, believed God. And I dare to believe. I dare to believe. Oh, Father, could it be that the Trashlunites <laughs> Would believe God? Could it be that the Pontypriestites would believe God? Could it be that the 
the Welsh? Of all people? Could it be, Father, that, that they would believe God? Is it not the same God that we serve? Is it not the same message of hope that is proclaimed? <laughs> the people believed God. Wow, if ever there's an encouragement, brothers and sisters, to keep on going on, proclaiming the message that God has given us, this is the encouragement, is it not? The Ninevites believed God. And secondly, notice quickly, they proclaimed a fast. My goodness, you can't get church people to fast. Never mind the Ninevites. Wow! Are you impressed by that? I'm impressed. I'm gobsmacked. I'm gobsmacked. How often do you, how often do you see the people of God coming together with this kind of mindset? So moved by the word, so convicted by the word, that the, they, they come together to fast. It happens from time to time, not very often. Not only did they believe God, but their belief was of such a quality, if you like, such a, a conviction that they declared a fast. Now, of course, this does not in itself prove saving faith. It doesn't in itself prove a regeneration. However, friends, it does speak of an operation of the Holy Spirit of God in at least the realm of common grace, which I believe to be no less extraordinary an awakening. You know what? I would take this kind of common grace for the United Kingdom today. Wouldn't you? Anything, Lord! Anything! Proverbs 14, 34 Righteousness exalteth the nation. Nineveh was a wicked city. Wicked city! Wicked city! But such was the repentance they declared a fast. It may well have been that this was an awakening largely in the realm of common grace. When 120,000 were spared and saved from God's immediate wrath. Nevertheless, my friends, it was quite extraordinary. It was out of this world. How wonderful it would be if this kind of thing would take place in London today. Or in Liverpool, my home city. Or in Pontypridd. Now, of course, you're saying, get real, pastor. Get real. It's been a long time since anything near to this has happened here. Granted, it has. 1904-5, well over a hundred years now. Get real. (laughs) 
But is it not the same God? Is it not the same message? Message of hope. Is it not God's heart and desire to save those who are lost? So why can't something as extraordinary as this happen today? (laughs) It gets even more mind-boggling, doesn't it? Thirdly, the news reached the king. The news reached the king. Well, I guess it had to at some point. And what did the king do? Verse 6. He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. Wow. Does that surprise you? (laughs) Knocks me over. Knocks me over. How interesting this is, that the people were so moved that the word went to the top, to the leadership. Usually it goes the other way, doesn't it? The leadership make proclamation and it comes down and the people are therefore affected. Not when God comes. Typical of God, I suppose, the order's reversed. The people are affected and the, the, the news goes from the bottom, if you like, up hierarchically. And the king is convicted. Wow. Seems to be a fact of life, dear friends, that most leaders are followers. (laughs) Did you know that? Most leaders are followers. Most leaders follow the people, you see. Leaders usually just have stronger personalities. They may be more educated, perhaps have sharper minds, or or great manipulators, uh, maybe have a higher ambition, but ostensibly, leaders, certainly in the free West, they are followers. They follow what the people demand. They usually take note of the the latest Gallup poll, and note what the 51% or more were saying. And lead, inverted commas, the people appropriately. Now I tell you, who's leading who? Who's leading who? (laughs) That's why we have the legalization of abortion. The legalization of pornography. The legalization of prostitution. The legalization of homosexual marriage. Because popular opinion demanded it. And the leaders capitulated. So much for leadership. (laughs) And here the people were in sackcloth and ashes. And the king was equally moved. And declared himself. A nationwide fast. How incredible. So we came to church today. Some of us both this morning and this evening. But we've come to church today. And in many ways it's much like last week. And the week before that. And the week before that. And our expectations perhaps were much like last week. And the week before that. And the week before that. And we can kind of be 
forgiven for that because, well, we don't want to be disappointed, do we? Self-preservation. Do you know something? The arguably natural inclination towards self-preservation kills vision. Kills vision. Ooh, we can't do that. What if no one comes? What if nothing happens? What if we are disappointed? And the enemy rubs his hands and says, <laughs> Got him. Got him sorted. They ain't shifting. They ain't budging. They ain't going anywhere. They ain't influencing anybody. They're afraid. Afraid. Sounds the death knell of vision. My friends, we need to expect. And we can expect with confidence. Why? <laughs> because the Ninevites believed. And they proclaimed a fast. And it went to the top. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the furore in the Senate? Next week, if the, if the Trashtonites believed. Can you imagine? Can you? Do you know what? I can't. I can't imagine it. My friends, expect great things from God. It is the same God. And this God desires the salvation of the men and women of Trashlin, the boys and girls of Trashlin. That's his heart's desire. That's why he's extended these days. That's why we're sat right where we are. That's why we've been put right where we've been put. Because he's not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's the same God. And if we like Jonah, if we like Peter, if we like Peter and John, if we like Martin Luther... If we believe, if we are fully persuaded of the truth of this message, if we are fully persuaded of how powerful this wonderful gospel message is, then boy, oh boy, it'll have an impact. And God will come again. He will come again. And He will save souls. And our biggest problem next week will be, well, where, where are everyone going to sit? What a wonderful problem to have. Be honest, you sat there thinking, don't worry, Pastor, it ain't going to happen. Be honest. Allow the Spirit to search your heart. What's your mindset? What's your mindset? Culture, climate, everything's against us. Politics, against us. Everything. What's your mindset? My friends, if we were so convinced, then we would make every opportunity to be at every single prayer meeting, every single opportunity to gather for corporate worship, 
every single opportunity to seek the face of God and to claim the blessing. Two old women up in the Hebrides, the Isle of Lewis, old women, claimed the blessing. And they would not let go of God until He blessed them with revival. They refused to let go. They refused to, 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 they refused, they refused to, to have no as an answer. <laughs> they sent, during their time of prayer, convinced that uh, the preacher should be the Reverend Duncan Campbell. They sent word to Duncan Campbell. says, Mr. Campbell, Reverend Campbell, come to the Isle of Lewis. Come to the Hebridean Islands and preach the gospel. We believe God's going to send revival. The eminent Scottish preacher sent word back. Sorry, I can't fit you into my diary. What did the two old women do? <laughs> they would not take no for an answer. And so they prayed again, and they sent word again to Duncan Campbell. Duncan Campbell, eminent Scottish preacher, come to the Isle of Lewis, come to the Hebridean Islands, preach the gospel. We believe God's going to send revival. Duncan Campbell sent a replacement. One of the faith mission pilgrims. And what did the women do? They said, no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't accept. No, 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 no. Duncan Campbell. We believe God is, is asking you, tending you to preach here in the Isle of Lewis and the Hebridean Islands because he's going to send revival. And eventually, Duncan Campbell, the eminent Scottish preacher, heard the voice of God. <laughs> you see, two old, two old women. All the odds stacked against them wouldn't take no for an answer. Are we that desperate? Are we that convinced of the reality of our message? Let's lay hold of God and not take no for an answer. Because my friends, the Ninevites believed God. And the Trashlonites It can happen. Are you convinced? We'll see how many come to the next prayer meeting. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Wow, it's powerful, Father. And difficult in some ways for us so used to something other than this to, to accept, to get our heads around. Forgive us, Father. We've allowed the enemy to convince us otherwise. But the people of Nineveh believed. Oh, Father. Father. What about the people of Trashlip? The people of Pontypridd? Hear our cry, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.